We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody out there in IB Nation land, whatever all of you are, all of us together. Welcome to another edition of the We uh, are Breakdown Podcast. together, IB Nation. That's there what we go. are. That's a, that's a shirt. That's a shirt waiting to happen. Uh, it is upon further review one day late because I was traveling and now I'm not traveling, but I am in a hotel room. As you can see, I don't have the green wall behind me. But uh, learning all about school safety. So that is where I'm at today. And uh, actually, I saw an IB member at the school safety conference. Right? Nice. And uh, he's like, Vince, what's going on? So it's one of the guys we met at the tailgate. And uh, so that was kind of fun. So nice. we stopped and talked for a couple minutes. I said, hey, man, tune in tonight. I said, we're doing a show from the hotel room. That's right. So, That's uh, right. So, yeah. Making it done. It was, it was pretty it cool. So. We uh, we dove into the film, everybody, and uh, yeah. we've got a bunch Vince, to show you guys. Vince is in his lair. It's got that really got that layer in the background. It's the know, darkness. Right? You got some. Yeah, it's it's it. clearly TV on because I see it flashing behind you. <laughs> I can turn it off if it bothers you. Yeah, I can turn it off if it bothers you. I knew I knew it might. Uh, <laughs> I got the okay, remote if I just right have here. A stroke just... in the... I just have a stroke in the middle of the show. You know who cares? Who cares? As long as you get to watch TV while you're doing the show. Or, you we're know. just keeping it interesting. So, uh, yeah. But yeah. no, we, we dove into the film. A lot of good things to talk about. Some interesting things to talk about. Uh, you know, we always we always see things we didn't see live. And that's the best part about this yes. show. So glad everybody had a chance to join us for tonight. It's going to be a lot of a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, we're going to dive right in. So offense first, Brian, because that's what we do. Offense first. Well, let's, let's it's also, running. you know, we've talked about the defense first a lot because the defense played better. Yeah. In in recent games, so sure. um, offense played really well in this game. So yeah, Vince, when when I when I look at this, um, I sent you a text by the way. Oh, um, when uh, when I look at the <laughs> offense, Vince, it's one of those things where when you, when you break the game down, like I thought they played well watching live, but I had a similar frustration kind of on the feel that somebody in the the show earlier today kind of brought up about the slow start. And then you break the film down, you look at the stats and all that, and you're like, you know, 
the start wasn't actually as slow as you thought. It was a lot of what we've seen in the past, just not finishing stuff off, right. you know, getting yep. in the red zone, getting into good third downs, having, you know, guys coming open on third down, not making the read, things like, and, and you're like, it just, so then that emotional aspect of it, because it's kind of been here, done that then right. kind of paints my head, you know, kind of puts a paints a picture in my head of like, it just, it was better. You're just better than they are. But then you break the film down and you're like, man, there's some really good stuff. And, and, and cause I also felt had good feelings after the game too, about some of the stuff and it confirmed some of the things we sure. saw. There were some things from the game. I wouldn't say there was anything from the offense that was worse than I thought watching live, but there were some things that were confirmed to have not been as good. Agreed. But then some things that I thought were a little better. And and we'll we'll get into a lot of those things, uh, those things uh, as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But I want to begin, Vince, with the run game because that's, that's a part of it that we didn't talk as much about on Saturday night. As Agreed. far as just really, really diving into it, because you know we don't we don't watch the O line quite as much live. That's what people can see on their TVs and things like that. We try to jump into different things, but the numbers for the run game weren't sexy on Saturday. <laughs> they didn't blow. Sure. They're not going to blow you away. They ran for 130 something yards. But when I broke the film down, I was actually more pleased with the run game than I thought I was going to be. But and but even more importantly, Vince, being able to watch the offensive line, and this is kind of where we'll start. I want to kind of dive into first and foremost what we saw from the two young kids that played on Saturday, because That's, I was yeah. very yeah. very impressed with. Now again, the context of they played like redshirt freshmen making their first starts, meaning there's going to be mistakes, things that I would have been more upset by if Rocco Spindler would have done or Pat Coogan did, sure. and you know, it's game Joe eleven would have done them, yeah, right. And yeah. for some of those guys, it's game twenty or more. something or or more. But yeah, exactly. For guys making their first career starts, you know, you don't like it, you correct it, but you don't get as frustrated by it. But I'll right. tell you what, man, the the good reps far outnumbered 
Like the, they played really good football. And the biggest yep. observation, Vince, and I think we made this observation on Saturday, the athleticism of the offensive line looks significantly better with those two kids in the lineup compared to who was there before. No, it just does. And I really liked, I mean, I think you said it on, on your breakdown or on the board someplace, but you, you hit the nail on the head because Billy Shrouth, and, it, and it's it's not a, a denigration to anybody else, but Billy Shrouth is good enough to be on the field. He should have been starting this whole year. And there's nothing mm-hmm. that happened. Or at least playing, rotating right. until he was ready to take over. There, right? There, there's nothing that has happened when he's been on the field to make me think otherwise. Now, obviously we are not at practice every day, all of those things, but, but everything I've seen from Billy Shrouth in fall, in the spring, in fall camp, and then on the field during games, the kid needed to be on the field more. He just needed to be on the field more. And he, he proved that again in this start. I mean, I, I thought he was aggressive. I thought he's got good feet. I thought he finished off blocks. One thing that I was really impressed with, and I said this to you before uh, we went on the air was that the double teams between Craig and and Billy, a- Ashton and Billy, were really good for two kids that have never started a game next to each other. Like the, the communication, and, and you know this, Brian, you have to be able, it's nonverbal and it's verbal communication when you're double teaming and climbing to the next level. And I was just really impressed with the fact that the timing of their double teams well, was pretty good. You can see that they've played together all year because they have. I mean, they've been the second team offensive line all year, and that helps. I actually think they benefited from both starting together. You know what I mean? Like Because there was someone that a guy had a cohesiveness with as one of them. There's not as much of that communication. But, yes, they they worked well, the combos together. I thought Blake and Billy worked surprisingly well together. There were more issues with Ashton and Coogan then there were either Ashton or Billy or Billy and Blake. Yeah. Well, I think sense. that was, I, I hate to say it, but I, it was, it was more on, on Coogan. Well, than I, Ashton, I well, think. Explain, explain. I, Cause I, I'm not sure like the mm-hmm. one outside zone where they just let a guy run through. I can't say that that was on Coogan or not. I, I, I don't know. Cause, because yeah, cause he went through that gap between. He the two clearly thought someone was coming with him. And honestly, between two guys, if I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that's fair. that the guy that's making his first start, the odds are greater that he messed up than the guy that's in his 11th game, but I could be wrong on that. That's yeah, why I tried I, not to say it's, it. Were there yeah. other snaps that you saw that, that made you think it was more of a Coogan issue than a Craig issue? Just a, I, I just felt like he was a beat slower getting off the ball, um, a beat slower getting to where he needed to be. Um, <laughs> there was a couple of times he didn't run his feet like I would have liked, you know, things like that. And that, but that's been kind of consistent throughout sure. the year. It's just me. more obvious now. Yeah. When the center and the right guard aren't also as equally slow footed as like Zeke Carell was the most athletic guy they had in the middle. And Zeke's got some good quickness. I mean, you know, sure. But like he he the other the guards were just lumbering. And and Rocco could do some really good things like power blocking, which is again, I, I think Rocco could have played better if they would have done more of what we saw Saturday in previous games. That's be more inside zone duo oriented as opposed to asking him to be pulling all freaking day, which they didn't ask those guys to do. But that's something else that I noticed from the game, Vince. We saw a lot less of the counters in the, in the G scheme. We saw only three pull plays. We saw two counters and one G scheme, everything else. uh, They ran one outside zone, which was a colossal failure went for minus six, but everything else was do inside zone or duo. 
They had mm-hmm. four runs of their. I counted thirty attempts. Now, when I broke down the numbers, I didn't. I didn't count. I count the penalty runs as as normal runs because I didn't feel the penalty was a good call, and I didn't no. feel that the penalty should have impacted. It didn't impact the play. The one on penalty Flanagan. On Flanagan was a terrible call. Right. Right. In the, 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 both of those holds on Notre Dame were shaky. I'm like, I watch Clemson kids do this on every single play, and, and a, right. a, a ACC crews didn't call it one time. But that's a different conversation for a different day. So I counted it because I think that gives a better gauge on how how they ran the football. But I had them down for only 151 yards on design runs on 30 carries, which was good for 5.0 per carry. But I think overall the numbers were were better in some areas. Uh, you also have to look at they had a 63.3% efficiency number, which I thought was good. Uh, that anytime you're over 60, that's a good day. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, for for my standard. And then when you break down some of the the individual runs, you see the issues were on the misdirection stuff. They ran counter twice for zero yards, gained three once, lost three the other. They ran a G scheme for minus three, and they ran outside zone for minus six. The, they ran duo and inside zone to combine 26 times, 19 times inside zone, seven times duo. And honestly, that's one of the things I, I probably liked the most was was sort of my confirmation. Like it's more of a bias. I'm more of an inside zone guy with duo as a compliment as opposed to the other way around. Right. And my big beef last year was they were so reliant on duo. They never ran inside, hardly ever ran inside zone. This year they've mixed them up. They they didn't run do a whole lot earlier. This is only inside zone within the counter power stuff. In this game, they mix it up well. They ran inside zone 19 times and duo seven times. I think that's a really nice balance between the two. They averaged, and this is now if you were on the Irish breakdown message board, you'd already have all this data, plus you'd have the all 22 film breakdown and all part of it too. But they ran inside zone 19 times, Vince, for 118 yards at 6.2 per carry. They had a 73.7% efficiency rate. When you're getting over 70% efficiency in the run game, that's outstanding. Um, And then when you go to duo, they ran duo seven times for 42 yards, just six yards of carry, and they had a 57.1 efficiency rate, which is a little skewed because they had it fewer times. You know, they they, they had four efficient runs on seven, and then they missed them. You know, they they probably could have had another one. But – I, I liked that blend, and I think it was smart to to mm-hmm. focus so much on inside zone and duo because you're not asking those two young first time starters. Because like on G scheme, it's like okay, am I pinning or are you pinning? Am I pulling or are you pulling? There's a lot sure. more, and it's all conversation on, there. And it's not. Yeah. I just want to I want to explain that just a skosh here because please do when when not understanding who's pinning and who's pulling, it's not just okay. Here's this play: you pin, you pull. It's, it's not that. It's based on where the defense is lining up right. and the defense was shifting and moving and guys were coming up on the line. So there, there's a lot that goes into it and therefore a lot of communication that needs to happen. And when you've got two brand new guys that are coming in, sometimes that miscommunica- that communication doesn't happen, mm-hmm. right? And so then you've got too many guys pinning or too many guys pulling and then guys are coming free. And then obviously that's a problem. It's over yeah. before it starts. And so yeah. I just, I just want to make sure people understood. It's not right. like like Pop Warner, where, okay, we're running, you know, toss sweep. You do this, you do this, you do this. It doesn't matter what the defense is doing. Right. It's a little bit different. Or, you, you know, in, in inside zone, there's a lot of communication, but we're both blocking some sort of combo to get to the next level. So right. they all require inside zone, but I just think it's a little bit easier to run inside zone and, and duo. There's a little less, it doesn't matter. There's a little more, it doesn't matter what the defense is doing. The rules are the rules on inside zone and duo. 
Right. And I thought they were effective in that yes. regard. And so when you're playing two kids who will, especially when one of them's your center, it'd be one thing if it was like your right guard and your right tackle or your two guards, but one of them is your center and he's got to make a lot more calls and communication. Yeah. Like Zeke Carell does a lot of stuff before. Oh, yeah. The oh, yes. And, and so then having having a new kid there with Zeke on the bench and, and you know, it, it can, you're opening yourself up to a lot of potential issues if you're asking him to run all the different stuff they've been running. And it's, I thought it's it like taking your middle play. linebacker out of the game. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a similar yeah. situation. It's just exactly. the kind of the making the calls, making sure mm-hmm. it's in the right spot. It's, it's a very similar situation with the center, right? Um, depending on the offense that you're running and, and they, right. they rely on Zeke and they rely on his brain and, and what he's able to do. And yep. that, and going into game 11 of the season and game, what up 20 something, almost 30 something for Zeke Carell. Right. Uh, you know, he knows this offense and yeah. he knows those calls and it's like the yeah. back of your hand and, and yeah. Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman can count on that. Yep. And so kind of slimming the run game down a little bit is really smart. Yep. Actually, it's really, really smart. And it's, yep. and it's not a knock against Ashton Craig either. It's Correct. like, Hey, we're yeah. just not going to put that much on your plate. I would have done the same thing in Zeke Carell's first career start back Absolutely. in 2020. 100%. Yes, Exactly. And we talked him. about that. Yeah, we we talked Good about is. that on the defensive side of the ball, right? It's like we want you guys to go out there and play free and play fast and play aggressive. Same thing on offense. There is paralysis by analysis offensively as well. If you've got too much going on, there's too much thinking. We've seen it at the wide receiver position before when there's just too much on the plate of the wide receiver. You put too much on the plate of the center, you're just not going to get good play at the beginning mm-hmm. of his career like this. Right. So I, I really like the way that they kind of slim yeah. things down a little bit and they allowed those guys to just go yeah. out and showcase their ability, yes. which they did in that game. And, and, and they, again, there were some technical issues. There are things that Ashton Craig did that if Zeke Carell would have made the same mistake, I would have been much harder on Zeke for it. For sure. Right? Yes. So, but I just, I love the length that those two kids have. They're not only taller, but they're long. Yes. And they you can move tell. their feet really well. And they, they just battle. cover the ground. Yeah. And they just, I, I thought. They battle. There was one play, and I can't I can't remember exactly which play it was, but there was one play where Ashton came off of a double, and I believe he was doubling uh, to his right, which would have been with Billy, with Billy. Right? So he's doubling. He comes off of it quick, gets a hand on another double team and then goes up to the linebacker. Yeah. Like he, it, it, yeah. he was like kind of pinball action, but it was totally under control and he still got to where he needed to go. And the running back ran right up his butt. Yeah. Like it was, it was yeah. poetry. It, it was, was fun beautiful. to watch. It was yeah. fun to watch. And, and I thought Blake played well for the most part. I thought Blake's run blocking was pretty good in the yes. game. I thought him and Billy worked really well together. Yeah. And um, it, you know what? It's like Blake was sped up in this game being with Billy. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like, he Absolutely. had to move quicker because Billy moves quicker. Mm-hmm. And I thought their double teams were hitting quicker yes. than they were with Rocco. It made Fisher um, a better player. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, at least for this of, game. I don't want to say too game. much. because I because I agree. Because, again, I still think Rocco wasn't being allowed to play a game that's more his style. Mm-hmm. Like, this would have been more of a Rocco-Spindler game. Nothing but inside zone and duo. Sure. And, and so call. that's – that's not as much of a knock on Rocco as much as it's why were you asking Rocco to pull right that much, right? So a couple more numbers, Vince kind of breaking down the game. I thought the balance left to right was really good. They ran 17 times to the left, uh, 13 times to the right, uh, 5.1 yards per carry to the left, uh, 4, 5.0 to the right. 
They had a really nice 11, 12, 13 personnel mix. Only ran they ran ele- they ran out of 11 personnel 14 times and they ran out of 12 and 13 personnel 16 times. So almost a 50-50 split between the two Vince and they ran for 69 yards out of 11 personnel that's 4.9 per carry. Uh, they were just a shade under 60% there. So obviously you want it to be a little bit more efficient, but still good numbers. And then they had 82 yards on 16 carries running out of 12 and 13 personnel. However, that 21-yard carry is a little bit miss. Their 21-yard gain out of 13 personnel is a little misleading. That wasn't on the line. Uh, Audra got hit a yard behind the line of scrimmage. Oh, that was a great run it. by Audra Gestime. <clears throat> However, yeah. I will say this. You can't bounce it if you don't keep a body on a body. And that's the thing I liked about the O-line in this game is even when they weren't winning, they were staying locked on. They were staying engaged on the inside zone and duo. A lot of the counter stuff is when we were seeing run-throughs. That's what you know, they tried to run outside zone and a guy shot through the A gap. They tried to run a counter backside and North and, and uh, Wake Forces crashed it from the edge. And there was no way for Joe Walt or Blake Fisher on those runs to get across their face. That was a good right. game plan by Wake. They were prepared for that pulling stuff and they had a plan for they're sure. going to blow it up from the backside because they knew Notre Dame's not going to have the quarterback keep and it hard. and they're not going to bootleg hard, off yeah. of it. That's right. Yeah. And so I thought that allowed the duo stuff and the inside zone stuff to be a lot more effective. And uh, sorry, Vince, we just had a hilarious comment from uh, from uh, Tommy Guns. He goes, dang, VD21 drinking the dew in front of Brian like that. <laughs> very well played, Tommy. Very well played. Yeah, the um, uh, you mean the but, $4.50 yeah, Mountain Dew I know, right? lobby? But that's the thing, though, Vince, is I did like that 14 to 16 split 11 versus yeah. two tight end stuff. That That's the kind of balance you need to see. They're, they threw more out of 11 personnel, but that's okay as long as the running stuff is still – an option, but some of their biggest plays of the game, they threw two long touchdown passes from 12 or 13 personnel. Vince, yeah. the touchdown pass to Eli Raritan was at a 13 personnel. 13 the touchdown yeah. pass to Tobias Murray was at a 12 personnel. And the, you know, and so then, and here's the other thing, and we'll break it down here a little bit. And well, actually, I'm going to hold off on that how the run game impact, the, how play action impacted the run game. Yeah. Cause we're going to break, we're going to break down how that sure. impacted one of those touchdowns. Uh, but just a couple other numbers two Vince, Notre Dame. Uh, ran 15 times on first down for 83 yards. That's 5.5 a carry. That's a good day of work. And a 66.7% mm-hmm. efficiency rate on first down. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. And then they had five uh, five runs on third down and uh, converted three of those. So they had a 60% convert. Because an efficient run on third down is easy. You either get the first down or you don't. And if you don't, right. it's not it's not an efficient run. That's That's how I grade it anyway. Sure. And uh, others will have like if you gain a certain percentage to get to fourth down, you know they'll do it. But for me, so d- decent day on third down. Uh, but the first down runs really efficient. That matters. And then the balance between eleven and twelve that matters. Balance between left and right seventeen to thirteen. Those are all things that make it a lot harder for you to be tendency oriented, right? And yeah. then when you're running as much inside zone and duo, it's really not so much field boundary. Where a lot of your pull stuff, it's like it matters if you're going field boundary because on one of them you got a lot less room to work than you do the other. So overall, very very pleased with the simplicity of the run game, but also the balance of it. It wasn't just, hey, here's what we're doing, you know, because yeah. they did run some stuff play action wise out of those things, and I thought that yeah. helped make the the run game better. But really really well designed, well called, and, and relatively well executed run game by Notre Dame and- on Saturday. Another thing I wanted to point out that just kind of dawned on me as we were talking about this, and and you talked about Wake Forest scheme to kind of take out 
a lot of those pulling guards because they were just going to fire hard. They were going to, there were a lot of slants called uh, by Wake Forest. They were slanting hard and right now. And Notre Dame did a really good job of using that against Wake Forest. There was a couple of plays where, uh, you know, if you're looking at it from behind Notre Dame, right? And Wake Forest slants hard to the left. Well, Notre Dame just took their entire offensive line and just let them go that way and just buried them to the left and then just ran off to the right. And it was like, it was just clean, just clean. And I mean, um, Blake Fisher, I thought did a really, really good job of just wiping out a couple of guys. I mean, he just took those guys for a ride and just wiped it out. And then they were, it was a very easy run back to the right-hand side. And they had one guy come, you know, the tight end come over and kick out. But I mean, it was just so clean because they used what Wake Forest was trying to do against them and use their momentum against them. That's what I always used to tell my wide receiver. It's a little bit different, but it's like, if he wants to, if he wants to fly inside on a run, take him to the inside, like use his momentum against him. And that's what they did. Uh, you know, scheme wise. I, I thought that that was really, really smart. A couple other things too, Vince, uh, just some more stats for you. They ran out of shotgun 21 times for 98 yards. Uh, they ran out of either an eye formation or a pistol nine times for 53 yards. So uh, they had 80% efficiency under out of the I formation, 75% out of the fifth, uh, pistol, only 57.1 out of shotgun. So obviously that's something that you have to clean up a little bit. Now, I have always said this, Vince. I always am a fan of counting RPOs as part of the run game and not the pass game. Yep. I think they're a greater extension of the run game. I've always factored them into that. So when you look at the RPO numbers as well, Notre Dame went seven of eight throwing RPO in the game. I believe it's the most they've called. They've, they've actually pulled and thrown all year. I have to go back and uh, and look at it, but I believe that that's correct. They were seven of eight. The one the one incomplete was a drop. Not a great ball. Definitely a a, a ball that's got to be caught though by T- Chris Tyree. Yeah, it's and, a little high, so, but yeah, yeah bring it. Got to make that catch. And but they were so, that means they were zero for one, and then went seven for seven. Seven for seven, which, correct. And you know, I think their longest gain was like eleven, and then you had a fumble. Uh, uh, by by um, uh, Rico Flores Jr. But on mm-hmm. the day, if you look at the run game and the RPOs combined, you had 38 total plays, so 30 carries and eight pass attempts for 206 yards. Right, that that's a that's a good day of work. Right, 68.4 percent efficiency rate uh, at at that number, and about in a 5.4 yards per play. Not great, but good. Right, yeah. good day. It wasn't a great it's a nice day. Compl- it a good it's day. a nice compliment, right. though, like because they right. weren't Especially going when your to pass game is rolling, right. and and they yeah. should have had three hundred eighty so yards many, passing, oh which we'll, we'll, we'll get into. Yes, we um, are. but but here, I did want to kind of break down one of the the RPOs. So you ready to to a little little breakdown? Yes, here this we go. is actually the first <laughs> RPO completion of the game. This is a hitch route to Rico Flores. So I will give you all hear the specifics of this play because I know some of you like to to look this kind of stuff up and so let me just pull up the specific play sheet this this is is, I believe the the second no the first one the first completion RPO completion oh okay gotcha gotcha yeah so this is on the second drive of the game it's a first and 10 at the minus 41 so this is first quarter second drive play four of that drive Notre Dame, as you can see here, this is 11 personnel. What makes it 11 personnel? One back, one tight end, three receivers. That's 11. Back plus tight ends. Black Back is one, tight end numbers two. So if it's 11 personnel, that means one running back, one tight end. If it's 12 personnel, that means one running back, 
two tight ends, so forth and so on. So, and then the receivers is just kind of whatever's left over. So on this particular play, Notre Dame is running an inside zone, right? So you've got you've got the uh the running back right here, you've got the tight end blocking backside, they're running inside zone. Now, normally, Vince, the RPO key will be read number two. So you guys see those numbers up there. Read number one, read number two. Against a lot of teams, you're going to have read number two is actually going to be your pull, your give pull read. The way that Wake Forest played Notre Dame, which I think was smart for Notre Dame to counter this way, their safety crashes. And I talked about this last week, Vince. Their safety, Malik Mustafa, crashes hard. And they took full advantage of that this week. And this is a particular example. So now the pull, uh, the give pull read is now that safety to the field, not the nickel. So the safety is going to be the read. So what they and that's when 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 Notre Dame didn't have success running the ball. Some of the times, like Jeremiah had a uh, Love had a run where he's free if that guy's not crashing inside, but they didn't have an RPO called. And if they would have had a, something called to maybe occupy that guy, Jeremiah Love might have been off to the races. That's why I love RPOs because you force them into those situations. However, they didn't do that here in some other place, but here they did. So this safety right here, and you can kind of see Vince, his body language is is, is aggressive. So oh, yeah. Sam Hartman, as soon as he gets a snap, gets his eyes on that guy, and that guy comes flying downhill. Yep. So hard. Sam Hartman then pulls the ball. Now his read goes to read number two. That's where I'm going to throw the ball. So read number one is give pull. Read number two, it's almost like triple option. Read number two is who's getting the ball, Chris Tyree in the slot? or Rico Flores outside. That's who he's reading number two because Wake does a lot of off coverage. So at the snap of the ball, the read number two squats right on top of Chris Tyree, just sits right on top of Chris Tyree. Easy read for Sam Hartman. I'm banging the outside hitch route to Rico Flores. He does it correctly. Rico catches it, squares it up, gets a couple yards after the catch. And just like that, on first and 10, you're now in second and one. Just like that. Super efficient. Love the read. Uh, and then, um, as I said, here's the kind of routes that are being run that you could see there. Just a little quick option route by Chris Tyree and a hitch route by Rico Flores. So we saw stuff like that, Vince. We saw quick outs on the yeah. RPO, like just little five-yard out cuts. We saw a couple RPOs that were designed screens. If you're pulling, you're throwing a screen. One was to tight, the tight end. One was to uh, the, the receiver where you're actually – you know, you, you're blocking the perimeter, and then the, they had to play where they had uh, Jordan Faison actually in the wing, and then the tight end in the slot, and then an outside guy to the boundary. They're running inside zone. If that guy comes in, you're pulling and throwing the little slide to, to Jordan Faison. But they, they, I mean, it was it was a basic, a real basic RPO package, Vince. That was highly effective. Yeah. Hitches out, effective. couple screens, and they didn't need a whole lot more than that. The way that Wake Forest was playing, to be honest right. with you. So I. I liked the RPO thing, and I think that added a lot to the overall effectiveness of their run game concepts. Yeah, no, I it doesn't. That's the thing about an RPO game, especially when, like you said, Wake is playing the way that they are. It doesn't have to be complicated. It can be pretty pretty simple because basically whatever Wake Forest did, they were going to be wrong as long as it was read correctly. And I felt like they did a really good job. And You'll notice if you watch body language and you and you watch Sam Hartman when he was you know uh, completing these RPO passes and things like that, he was very comfortable doing that. Just very comfortable in the I'm RPO game that. because he's been doing it forever. It's a little yeah. different, but 
the reading of the RPO game and things like that. Like, I, I don't want to say he was nonchalant when he's back there throwing the ball, but he he just looks super comfortable. He's like, oh, yep, there it no, is. I get, what you, I get what you mean. He was yeah. – I, 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 you're saying nonchalant. I would say just assertive. I, yeah. I think, you know, just comfortable. Like you said – like nonchalant can mean like, oh, he's not. No, that's not what he's saying. Yeah, just like, look, right. dude, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, yeah, you just, know, grab it and rip it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just, you know, read it and rip it. Right. That's what I say. Read it and rip it. That's, yeah. that's what Sam Hartman needs to be. He's very confident in stuff, his throws in the RPO game. He's very confident. The RPO game. And when there was only one read, like yes. meaning one read for two routes, he was much more confident on those, yes. those type of throws. Uh, than he was on some of the stuff that required a little bit more intricate reads. But right. but overall, Vince, I thought the RPO game was a really nice compliment to what Notre Dame was doing on Saturday. So overall, run game-wise, I was pleased with what I saw. Design-wise, yeah. execution-wise, well, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great run game performance. Uh, and it was better on film than I thought watching it live. I'm like, dude, they ran for 140-something yards against freaking Wake Forest. Like, come on, man. But when I broke down the film, I was like, you know what? Like, and Wake was really geared towards stopping the run. Yes. Like the safety oh, yes. flying downhill. The nickels oh, yes. were crashing hard. I mean, there's a lot of things they were doing to stop that, which then opened up some opportunities in the pass game, which we'll get into a little bit here as well. So feel good about that part of it? I feel great about it. Yeah, I think it's really good. Okay. Good stuff. All right, Vince, you want to you want to dive into the pass game? Yeah, the pass game was an interesting uh, watch back because – on the face of it, I, I I heard somebody talking about you know this was Sam Hartman's best game of the year and 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 some of these different Agreed things. To disagree. I, oh, I believe me, I'm with you Ooh, on that. Somebody in the chat was saying that. Uh, no, it was. What did I see? I think I saw it on. I think I saw it on Twitter actually gotcha. uh, from a media. I don't know. I'll send it to you. Um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but the the bottom line is I heard it out there and I was like, well. You know, he had a bunch of touchdown passes, which he hasn't done in the last few weeks. Yes, that is true. Uh, but there was a lot left on the field. And yeah. I, I, but like you said, very confident in the RPO game, very confident in the one to one read game. Um, I, I thought he was very confident in that, made some nice throws. Uh, you know, the throw to Eli Raritan on the touchdown it was a great play fake. It was a great play call. It was a great throw and a great catch. Like, mm -hmm. great, great check, 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 check. You know, a lot of that. And I, I was I was very impressed by that stuff. Yeah. When you go back and you watch it and you I'm get the all 22, and my watch is talking to me, sorry. <laughs> I was uh, wondering what that was. <laughs> when you go back and you watch the all 22 and you see some of the other things that were missed, it's like you start scratching yeah. your head a little bit and you're like, okay, well, it wasn't as great as maybe on the outside. It at looks least early. Yes. I thought he settled Especially in pretty early. well after Especially the start. Yeah, I, I thought he settled in a little bit after that. And um, and we'll dive into some of that stuff, Vince. I want to start off with some of the things we liked from the game. Overall, I thought the design was good. Again, really nice 11, 12 personnel balance. I am breaking down. I'm looking at the run game action now. And if you look at the designed runs or designed passes, they had one pass out of 10 personnel. Had four, 13 passes out of 11 personnel, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine passes out of 12 personnel, and two passes out of 13 personnel. They completed two. They completed two passes out of 13 personnel. Do you know what both of them did? Scored touchdowns. They were in 13 personnel on the wheel route to De to Devin Ford, and they were in 13 personnel on the touchdown to to uh, uh, to um, 
Eli Raritan. And then the third touchdown pass, the first, the first actual, no, second touchdown pass was out of 12 personnel to Tobias Merriweather. They had, not until the last oh, touchdown yeah. pass for Sam Hartman. The last, the, actually, the, the one saving Jelly, I think, was also 11, yeah, 11 personnel. So the last two touchdown passes were out of 11 personnel. But the, the first two, or the first one was out of 13, the sec- third one was out of 13, and the second one was out of 12. So really nice run pass balance because you if you're going if your balance Tennessee. is good run game wise 11 12 but it's not pass game wise it's not as good but still better but they had a really nice 11 verse 12 personnel balance in the in in that part of the game as well Vince which is something that that I was happy to see uh, and then yeah. we also saw them mixing up you know how they threw the ball they ran two uh, bootlegs uh, went mm-hmm. one of two on those two plays I I thought they. Wake played one of them relatively well, but I still thought Sam should have tried to throw the the over as opposed to trying to throw a comeback. Um, they ran uh, four play action passes. They went three of four on play action for a grand total of 85 yards in this game, two touchdowns off play action in this mm-hmm. game. And then they had two sprint outs. Uh, or no, they had one screen, one sprint out. The sprint out they actually completed for – it looked like they completed for 28 yards, but then they overturned it. I still think that should have been marked as a catch, in my opinion. Uh, but hey, it's F- ACC officiating crew, so what are you going to expect? Oh, I know. And, 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 and we were and, we were talking yeah. about that in the press box, and we're like, yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, it looks like a catch. He doesn't move. It doesn't look like the ground hell. I leaned over to Brian, go, it's an ACC yeah. crew, guys. Yeah, they're going to overturn. Yeah, it. no, you you were <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's it definitely should be a catch, but it's an ACC crew, so they're going to overturn it. That's exactly <laughs> what they said. Like a minute later, <laughs> they did that. And then I believe Vince, you had um, you had uh, let's see nine, seventeen drop back passes, you know, okay. some form of drop back. So again, nice balance, nice mix up of those two. Um, they they didn't get super super complex in the past game, but there were some really good wrinkles, which will which will break down here as we as we get into this game, Vince. But overall, like the design, like the execution mm-hmm. of the past game, even though there were some missed opportunities and some missed reads and things like that, which to a degree will happen. Uh, yeah, but uh, sure. we'll, we'll break perfect. down some of those things first. But I want to break down a couple things that I liked first too, Vince. And yeah. that is on the first, no, the second touchdown drive of the game. We saw some things from Notre Dame that literally sp- were exactly what we talked about last week, wanting to see more of, which is getting back to sort of the high-low concepts, whether it be double posts, the dig posts, things like that. And we saw Notre Dame do that several times. And on, on the uh, second touchdown drive, they actually ran it two different ways and hit two different players on it. One of them actually went for 10 yards, but he should have thrown to somebody else. And that is this particular play right here. So for those of that you want to go, those of you who want to go look at this particular play, this is the fourth drive of the game. This is the first drive of the second quarter. The second play of the drive, this is a first and 10, or second and 10, excuse me. Uh, It comes right after the sprint out throw to Chris Tyree that was, ruled incomplete it's the very next play as you can see Notre Dame is in 12 personnel and I know one of the complaints that 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 we've had and people have had is you know they throw too much on second and 10 well this is a second and 10 play where they threw the ball down the field so this is the pre-snap read Vince as you can see it's quarters coverage uh Wake Forest is gonna is as you can see this safety's kind of peeking downhill that safety's kind of peeking downhill the corners are off at least seven yards both ways and then Notre Dame is running this concept. So you have a deep post out up top by Tobias Merriweather. You have a, a, a dig or an in-cut by Rico Flores. Now, this is a post-snap switch. So Eli Raritan 
releases vertically and runs a, cor a deep corner route, and then Holden Stace runs a crossing route. So you have levels, deep levels. In the past, we'd see to buy, we'd see Eli run like a little cross. We'd see Holden Stace run a middle route that stops right here, and then we'd see this guy run across, and it's just a bunch of people there, and they just would run yeah. that all the time. Here, it's a levels, but it's a deep level. So you have three layers. You have the, you have the top thing taken off here by Tobias. You have this intermediate route here, and then you have a short route here, and then you're just reading it. On this particular play, Vince, the guy that's the primary read keys are these two safeties right here, okay? And so what happens is, is you're going to read this high-low. This is When I say high-low, that's that's meant that's there's a reason for that. And that is you're reading it high to low. So you're looking for your read that's going to take you to the post. That's this safety right here to this safety. Primary read, secondary read right there. So at the snap, the primary read flies downhill because you also had a yeah. wheel route by the running back here. Right. Uh, you had a wheel route by the running back here as well that I did not draw up. The safety flies downhill. OK, so that's going to lead you to either post or the in cut, right? So what happens is the field safety, this guy right here, actually sinks to the middle. So they actually robbed to cover three on this play. This was a cover three play. Now, what helps is that you have you have this in cut by Tobias, by Rico Flores, and then this under. So now you know the post is taken away. The corner's playing over top of it. The free safety, the field the safety is coming over too. top of it. Post is done. So now I'm reading to the to the next level. What that should have done in that instance hmm. is that should have had Sam look to the backer to excuse me, uh, look to the backer to the the safety to the backer. Well, the safety went flying out with the wheel route that left Rico and the tight end on a cross, and the linebacker was kind of in no man's land. Because you had two guys actually ran with that wheel route. If you go yes, back, they and did. And I was wondering, like, I was going to ask you. You think that was a mistake? Yes. The safety and the backer both went yes. for the wheel route. That's what I thought too. I believe okay. so. I believe yeah. so. Uh, so what happens is Rico comes open, but Sam oh. doesn't see it. So Does you can open? see it here. Rico's open. This guy right here. That's the referee. That's the referee. Now, this is a great read and reaction by Rico Flores because he's actually supposed to run an in-cut. But what he does is he stops and he reads the defense and says, hey, they're in zone. There's a linebacker flying downhill here. If I keep running, I'm running into coverage, and Rico stops right in that window. Sam should have immediately gone to the football, to him with the football right then. 100%. Right then. I mean, he turns around, he goes like this. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, he was open. That was a really good, yeah. um, a, a really good read and or a read and reaction by Rico. Not we always so talk about zone coverage, finding the hole and sitting, right? And that take you've got to be able to kind of feel that as a wide receiver. You've got to feel where those openings are. And he did a really good job of feeling where the opening was, cutting off his route and turning around and giving his numbers to the quarterback, which means, you know, he's facing the quarterback. He's showing him, hey, I'm open. I'm right here. Gave his numbers. He just didn't get the ball. I mean, he just mm -hmm. didn't get the ball. Yeah. He throws the ball to Holden, and Holden does a nice job of catching it, making a guy – I think he made one guy miss and then gets 10 yards. So it still went for a first down. It was a, an, an, an effective – it was an effective play. 
And, you know, but again, it was just one of those where I would have liked to have seen Sam, a veteran quarterback, make that read. I'm sorry. Sure. I just would have rather seen that. So you get a first down there, you get into a third, your third and four or third and five. They run an inside run to Jabron Payne only gains a yard. I didn't, or third and four. I didn't love that call to be completely honest with you, Vince. I didn't love that Jabron Payne run no. on third down. If I'm going to, well, I'm going to run the ball on third down, I'm either going with Audric or one of my two speed guys, but he didn't is what it is. run it real well either. He ran yeah. right into the backside of the offensive lineman too. Yes, he did. They ran a mesh concept on the next play, but it was one of the best meshes they've run all season, Vince, uh, on that fourth and three conversion. It was oh, just really yeah. well-timed and it was more levels. It was like, it was instead of like a static with that middle, they took he, Eli Redden and ran him on an over. And he was actually open, mm -hmm. uh, but he was more covered than Rico was. So Sam made the right decision throwing to Rico on that one. He would have had to be more on, like, he would have had to be more lead him out there. And, and and you know, because there was a guy kind of closing on Eli. And if he's not spot on with that throw, sure. maybe gets broken up. He made the right read. I was just making a point that they actually got two guys open on yeah. that mesh because they ran more of a layered mesh uh, than, than the static mesh they've been running earlier in the year. And that got Rico open, moved the chains. I, I liked what I saw from there. And then um, they get down to – they get a holding penalty on Joe Walt, and they get in second 18, and they go back to that concept that we were talking about before, but they do it differently. Now here, their name's in second and 18, and they're in a two-tight end alignment. So as you can see, it's a balanced two-by-two two alignment. You've got Rico Flores down here, Tobias Merriweather down here, and then two tight ends. You can see Wake Forces once again in quarters. So quarters look, as you can see, very similar to up here, Vince. Quarters. Quarters means one, two, three, four. You're splitting the field into 25, right? 20, four guys, you know, 25%. Are, four guys are dropping. Yep. Back in the day when I first started coming up as a high school player, quarters meant everybody was bailing. It was almost yes. like a bail coverage. Yeah. Quarters now is more about your safeties are now reading down alley to run, and then they'll kind of play underneath the post. Last time they ran quarters, they just showed quarters. But as we showed, Vince, they played, they rolled to three. So as you can see, the safety kind of comes down, and that safety goes to the middle of the field, and the corners bail. So they, they showed quarters but rolled to number three. The next time you're in a similar situation and you've got a similar read. As I said before, you're going to read the number, the field, sa the, the, the read safety to the safety to the right. Okay. So you have this look. And this time they actually stay in quarters, Vince. And so Notre Dame is running a similar concept again, post dig. Now this time, instead of having a corner route by, by, um, by Eli Raritan, cause you've got two tight ends, they're running a, a solo outcut by Rico. Now Rico was actually open on this play. If he wanted to, he could have gone to the field and taken the outcut to Rico. He was proper not doing so. Because this guy could have dropped underneath it, potentially. This guy right here could have potentially dropped underneath it. And then if this corner squats on it, now it's not as good of a read. So it ended up coming open, but the read was proper to go to the boundary route concept. Do you agree oh, with that, yeah. Vince? Oh, yeah. yeah. So at the snap of the ball this time, let me see. I didn't show it. At the snap of the ball this time, this safety here, this is the boundary safety right here, sits on the route by Eli Raritan or by right. um, Holden Stace. That's yeah, on Holden the tight end on the 10-yard the right. end. The linebackers run with with that, and then this line, this safety right here is playing quarter, so he's not bailing to the middle of the field. Excuse me. So now it's basically once the safety squats, you know you've got a post route one-on-one. -on -one. Yep. They had run so many kind of short routes 
that the cornerback was kind of sitting expecting Tobias to do something quick. And at the top of the route, Tobias gave him, a, gave him a little head nod lean, and the guy just bit on it hard, and Tobias beat him to the to the, to the the top. Sam waited a little too long to throw the ball, but he still got it out there, and Tobias beat him. So this was a, the post. Uh, we talked about this very route, Vince, uh, mm-hmm. last week and how we wanted to see it. And this is what this is what we saw. So I, I like the call. I like the read. And obviously the execution was perfect because it ended up being a 35-yard touchdown. But we saw it twice on this route, Vince, or in this concept. We saw a similar concept here out of 12 personnel, but also but out of a different look. We had the two right. receivers together. Well, in that look, you're going to get more cover one because or cover three because this safety is less threatened by these two guys. Right. So makes sense that you're going to get more cover three. So here they run it out of more of a spread look, which which gives you a greater chance of getting quarters. And so I, I like the I I'm, I'm muting this guy. Give me a break. Um, unbelievable. But anyway, so I liked the read. I liked the call. And it was just a really, really well done series, really efficient series. It's it kind of stagnated a little bit in the middle, but then they convert the fourth down. Good with that. And then come back to this. Uh, re- really good concept, Vince. Yeah, I, it was great. And, and we saw some. Uh, we saw this run a couple other similar similar stuff to this run a couple other times, but it was really executed well in these two instances. I, I really liked what I saw from it. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way, like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep, like when you know what you should do? what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. Yeah, it was really well executed. And and it was, I, at first I thought that Sam wasn't going to throw it because he kind of did a little hitch. Like he did a little hitch when he probably should have let it go right in, right in Tobias's break. But then he's like, no, I got to throw this. He's wide open. And then he finally gets the ball out, and obviously it's a touchdown. And, uh, you know, better late than never because it ended up being a great play. And, and by the time by the time that ball was in the air, Tobias had almost a four-yard separation from that corner because the top of his route, he just kind of gave just kind of a little bit of a lean to the outside and then put his foot, his outside foot in the ground and just went for the post. I mean, and and that corner just didn't have a chance to catch up to him. So it was uh, – it was pretty on a lot of levels, that's for sure. And I, I was so happy that Tobias was finally able to get fed on 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 a deep route. Well, the last two times they've thrown him deep routes, he's he's caught him, and they've both underthrown. But at least this time, he was in the end zone when it was I mean, thrown yes. to him. Because <laughs> the same route. It, and now, what was nice about this one, Vince, is this is the first time we've seen Tobias get this route kind of route from the outside. That's true. Because the last time, the last, so Tobias has scored on a post route three, well, twice in his career, should be three. The first time was, was the from ball. the slot, yeah. 
Well, the first time I'm thinking Stanford last year. Yeah, it was right? the slot. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. He ran mm-hmm. a post in the slot. Yep. He should have scored against Pitt if it would have been a better thrown ball. But the other touchdown he had was a go route outside. But I'm talking about the post route, anything in breaking instead of just a pure go. So it was nice to see him finally get that ball on a post route. Now, there's a couple t- coaching techniques I'd give to bias about just, you know, get vertical a little bit, a little bit more urgency, things like that. But it was a good top end. And, and he got open for the big play. So I was happy to see that. There was another deep concept that they ran later, Vince, where you start to see the play action get into play. And that's that's the yeah. thing is they, they don't have to run play action a million times. They ran it four times. And it was open every time. Yes, the only time it was incomplete is because there was a pressure that got to the quarterback and he couldn't throw that in cut to Tobias on, the I think, the first or second one that they ran it. Uh, so – you know, good good play by the defense, I guess. But on um, on the rest of them, I mean, they hit it big. They had gains on play. They had gains of 18, 19. The 19 was a 20-yard touchdown. And then a 48-yarder. The 18-yarder that didn't score got the ball to the two-yard line. Yes. And they scored the next play. Right. right? So they were impact plays. And then yes. you had a bootleg. Uh, that went for nine yards on a first and 10. So you had, you called action passes, like some kind of play action pass. Cause a bootleg is a play action, but it's just not called. It's a, it's in the play action family, but I don't, it's a boot. There's boots. And then there's play action boots are basically when you, when you fake a run and then you get outside, you boot outside, right? Play action is more of just a straight drop back, right? So uh, they're all part of the action family. So they called six action plays and they went uh, four of six on those plays for 96 yards with two touchdowns. That's a good day of work. Good, and they were all different. And and so, and you could technically, you could kind of call the touchdown pass to Raritan a boot, but I think that was more Sam just buying time, yeah, more so than a pure bootleg. Although you could say, you know, depending on, it could have been where he just didn't naked enough, and it could have been a naked, and he just didn't naked enough. You know what I mean? But still, it was an action pass. Um, but there was a couple of them that I really liked, Vince, and I want to I want to break those those two plays down. Yeah. The first one was really just a – and we won't show film of it. We're just going to talk about it. But the first one was the touchdown to Eli Raritan. I loved that call. It's one of my favorite oh, calls. So you great. force a fumble, you come out 13 personnel, and you run a hard sell of the run fake. And I mean – And it was just a two-man route. You had a yep. corner by Eli <laughs> and then a sale coming behind it. It was just, and, and it was, it was very like we have talked in the past about how Sam Hartman's not great at play action. He's just mm-hmm. statistically, he's just not very good at it, right? Right. I, I don't know if he just fell asleep to like you know Peyton Manning play action or you know whatever, but oh, that was beautiful. Just the, hiding the ball in his midsection, mm-hmm. the fake with the hand instead of the ball. And just kind of stop for a split second and then turns around. And they ran a and delay. Finish. I've never seen this from them. They ran a delay, no. stutter, then ran a corner. Yes. Now, yes. here's the thing. That play only works if you got a really fast tight end. Because he's not getting downfield enough if you don't. The ground in which Eli Raritan covered after he got vertical was like, holy crap. He just outran the defense at the corner. And Sam threw a great ball. It was yes, one of the did. best balls Sam Hartman's thrown all year. It was a great ball because he wasn't wide open. He was just open. 
Sam's got to put that ball outside. If he doesn't put that ball outside, Vince, it gets broken up or you can step in front of it or whatever. You threw that ball outside where either Eli catches it or nobody does. Yep. I mean, he dropped and it, it was a bucket, yeah. man. Like that was, yeah. there were, there were two guys on, on his tail, right. They were trying mm-hmm. to catch up. First of all, number one, that shows Eli's speed. Number yes. one. And, yes, and, 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 and number two, I mean, you couldn't have placed it in his hands any better. I mean, it was just no. a beautifully thrown ball. Like I said earlier, great call, great execution, just great catch, great throw. So, I mean, it was it was well done, man. It was yeah. it was really, really well done. Yeah, because he actually threw it over. Like, I'm looking at it again. It was over top of those two guys. Like, it wasn't like a drag route where they're chasing and right. you just got – I mean, he had to throw it over. Yes. The defense, and that's what Vince means by dropping it in a bucket. Great, yeah. great ball, one of his best balls. But it also just shows Vince. I'm watching it now, and it's like you you need a really fast kid at tight end. Like he accelerated out of his break to that ball. I was like, he's not going to get to it, and he no. did. He is. Yes, a, he he can move, and he went from that zero to sixty. Because really he, I mean, he was blocking. I mean, yes. he he was blocking He's down. Blocking, yeah. I, well, I know, but like, just uh, what I'm saying is, he went. He was like da 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 da, going the opposite direction, and then boom, just exploded yeah. into his route, uh, yeah. which is impressive. Which is it's really a great, really just a great ball. I'm just I'm watching yeah. it now. And he did a great job buying time and getting it out, and then Rico came on an under route, you know. So like, yeah. Rico, I mean, you could have you could have maybe looked at Rico there if if you know if you didn't feel that the other guy was open, Rico would have come open a little bit late. But yeah, they did a really nice job with that. Really nice job with that. Yeah, they really um, did. That's a great call. I, I I just I loved the call. I just loved yeah. the call, you know. Yeah. And then later in the game, Vince, we have the last touchdown that Sam Hartman ever, was ever going to throw at Notre Dame Stadium. Mm-hmm. And it's this play to Jaden Greathouse. There's a lot of things I liked about that call. First of all, let's talk about why they made this call and why it worked. Number one is, remember earlier I was talking about how they were running RPOs off of the safety where the deep safety is actually the read key because he's downhill so much. So we saw this guy doing that all game. This is, um, you know, we saw the safety towards the run action. Now, when I say this guy, I'll be more clear because I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about just the guy that, the same guy. It's the safeties. When they would run at the safeties, those guys would come downhill. Right. So what Notre Dame did here, is they showed inside zone action. So this is 11 personnel again. You've got Cooper Flanagan here. And at the snap, Cooper Flanagan actually works backside and then releases under. So, you know, what? why? Because when they run inside zone to the tight end, the tight end works backside to seal the backside edge. If they ran inside zone away from him, he would just kind of step inside and seal that way. But since it's tight inside zone to him, he's got to get to the backside. So he works backside. So that's an immediate tell that inside zone is coming because they see the tight end working behind the line of scrimmage to the backside. When Notre Dame does that nine out of 10 times, that's inside zone or counter. It's a, it's a run, but the backs you're seeing the line go downhill. It's clearly inside zone from what the team, from what they're doing. So they show inside zone. Sam sells it pretty well. That's the first thing I like. And this guy comes flying downhill, (laughs) flying downhill. So now they're running base. It's a three-man route where you have a check down. Cooper Flanagan's basically the check down. If somebody comes off the edge, he picks him up. Nobody comes, so he leaks outside. So this is another levels concept, but this is now a deep levels. This is the exact concept I was talking about last Wednesday 
where a clear out by the backside post. So what happens here, this guy comes flying downhill and this safety goes to the middle. Hey, well, you don't have happened? it up. You don't have it up. Oh, I don't. What the heck, man? Did I have it up before? No, I don't think so. Okay. I, I'm like, I, I can see it. All right. So this is the pre-snap <laughs> look. They're running inside zone here and Cooper Flanagan's going backside. Gotcha. Okay. So this is the, so they're running inside zone to the right. Cooper's going back this way. So that's a very clear inside zone look. So this yes. safety right here, right there, comes flying downhill because they're they're robbing him downhill. And then this guy, this guy comes to the middle of the field. Well, Jordan Faison is the boundary receiver on this play, which was a great sometimes, Vince, it's not about who's in the game, it's about how you use them. Because who's the boundary receiver? Your five foot ten, 185 pound freshman is your boundary receiver. Why? Because he's the fastest guy on the field right now, ever seen. Right. You've got Jaden Greathouse here, Tobias here. Dude, this is exactly what we talked about. I mentioned Chris Tyree, but I was like, put Jaden, Jaden, Jordan, Jaden Greathouse in the slot sometimes and maybe put Chris Tyree outside. They didn't put Chris Tyree out there. They put Jordan Faison out there. Same concept. They're both fast. Right. So what happens right. is, is he runs, he runs a, po a deep post route, takes the coin. He, and he flew off the ball, man. He took off at the snap and he goes to the post. And at first, I thought Faison, Faison smoked the corner, by the way. Yes, he but did. what happened was, is because they rolled, excuse me, because they rolled, they the uh, this safety right here took off to the middle to try to take away the post. They're done. Because this safety right here flew downhill, and the, the deep safety right here took the post. There was nobody to cover Jaden Greathouse. Now, right. Sam holds on to the ball too long. That safety peeled back. He realized it was pass and then turned around and started getting vertical. If Sam doesn't come out of his drop and get the ball out on time, that safety might have had a chance to get back there in time to cover that, Vince. But Sam gets out of his play action, gets rid of the ball, perfect timing, and he hits Jaden Greathouse for a touchdown. So, I again, everybody – Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead, man. Everybody what? I was going to say that everybody in the secondary for Wake Forest then underestimates his speed. Yes. Because uh, Jaden Greathouse just outruns everybody to the yes. corner. Yeah, that was that was fun to watch. <laughs> but I'm watching the play live now. Again, it was a pure play action pass. That guy's like, oh, crap. But, yeah, if um, if that safety doesn't – if that safety would have jumped Jaden Greathouse on the over, Jordan Faison's open for on a post route for what would have been a touchdown also. Like – that play was going to be a touchdown no matter what the free safety did, the field safety did. Because if he takes Jordan Faison, great house is open for a touchdown, which is exactly what happens. But instead, he um, he, he takes the post, and now Jaden Greathouse is open. And again, well-timed ball and perfect ball by Sam, and then Jaden Greathouse used his speed to outrun it. So I, I love the concept, Vince. I loved how they lined up the personnel. I loved right. how – I mean, this was clearly a – you know, you're running a high low where either Faison or Jaden Greathouse is running that ball. Speed takes the top off. You got and, and Jaden, if Jaden does levels off too much, safety plays it. If he carries it too deep, corner can play it. He, he found the sweet spot on that over sure. two Vince. But this is well, that post clear stuff that I talked right. about last week. Go ahead, buddy. And, here, and here's the other thing about running the post and having the, the deep safety take it is that they hit it earlier in the game. Like and, and so you know that's a that's a route that Notre Dame's not afraid to throw, which hasn't always been the case in the last five or so years. And so they had firsthand knowledge that 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 post is a, is a throw that that Sam Hartman's going to make today. And so you better cover it. 
and it just got them in a pickle. I mean, so the deep safety takes the post, but then underneath, you know, you got a wide open Jaden Greathouse. So again, another example of how one play sets up another play. It's like, man, we got to make sure that we cover this post and they're able to score a touchdown, throwing it to a different guy. So, you know, different concept, but still building off of it by using that post to take off the top because it's a dangerous route in this game and in this offense. But it's a similar concept to what we ran before. It's a post, it's a it's a it's a deep levels, sure, right? So yes. what you're doing here is not a whole lot different than what you're doing here, right? Or here. Right. You're getting to it, coming three different, different formations. Yeah. You ran one out of 12 with a, with a, with a two by two with the tight ends together. Second one, you run out of a more balanced 12. And then the next one, you run out of a two by two out of 11 personnel. Yeah. And, and so three different ways, three different route combinations attack the defense a similar way. And, and Sam read them relatively well. We talked about the one that he should have gone to Rico, but if he's going to go to Holden, get him the ball now. Right. And he did. And he, and he hit, hit a big play. So I really liked, I really liked what we saw from him. And again, it was, it was a really, it was a really effective way of getting the, using the play action to hit those plays. Yeah, it was. Cause they had just yeah. converted a second down on a, uh, an outcut to Rico on a drop back outcut. That was the one I think where Rico made a really nice play on the, on the sideline. Your first and 10 and you know, Thinking, hey, running the football here, and they they took the shot. So, very pleased with um with what we saw there, Vince. L- last thing, we'll just kind of some things that we didn't necessarily love from the game. Uh, we talked about a lot of them, but we're going to talk about one particular play. A lot of it was just Sam not quite making the right read, not getting the ball out on time. But when you go like what what twenty one of twenty seven on non spike throws for two hundred and seventy something yards and four touchdowns. He had a pretty good day. Yeah, he had a pretty good day. And and I don't want to nitpick too much, but there was one big missed opportunity earlier, which against better teams, you can't miss these opportunities. You can get away with it against Wake, but this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. And I'm hoping that now that Tobias has made him look good on the last two times, he's, you know, really last three, four times. I mean, he, you know, you've tried to throw him the ball where you give him any kind of chance that you would look at to here, but there was another mistake here and it wasn't just Sam. And I want to go to this play right here. This oh, is okay. yeah, for those yeah, looking yeah. at it. This is the last play of the second drive. It's an incomplete ball up the left seam. Yeah. That was right before the missed field goal. So first quarter, third and six at the 29 yard line. Now I've seen a lot of people say that this ball was meant to go to Tobias Merriweather. He was not throwing to Tobias Merriweather. No. On this play. No. He was throwing the seam route. The mistake Sam made a mistake, but his not, his was not the more grievous mistake. The more grievous mistake on this one was from Jordan Faison. Right. And so I want to break down what happened here. So I'm just showing like there's five deep guys. You could have seen if you were watching this live, this guy number three is clearly coming downhill. So you're basically getting, if not quarters, Vince, this looked like man coverage to me. Right. This is third down. They're bringing pressure. This tells me man coverage. Like, And the reason I show this is just to kind of show the body language of this guy, this is this is very clear. One of these two guys is coming, if not both. Mm-hmm. And so Notre Dame's making a check. They make a line check. And so basically this guy right here is the guy that they can't block if they bring pressure. So Sam's got to know if that guy comes, he's on me. So when you see this look, Sam decides to read the boundary, which is where he should have read. We've talked about this. We talked about this yep. a couple weeks ago. 
when they ran all verts and he tried to throw the field go to Jaden Greathouse. Same concept. He properly looks into the boundary this time. The problem is he looked at the wrong guy, and then that guy ran the route the wrong way. So what you see here is you've got man coverage outside with Tobias, Vince, and then you've got this safety here playing inside leverage against Jordan Faison. That means he's not going to let you beat him on a post. He's not going to let you beat him on a slant. He's not let you going to be on him on an end. He's going to drive on the inside. So what Jordan needs to do here is attack his leverage, aiming point outside shoulder, and then when he sees that guy squeeze in, Jordan needs to take that sucker right up the seam. That's yeah. where Sam thinks he's going to go. That's why the ball looks like where the heck is Sam Hartman throwing the football? Sam's throwing the ball near the. I don't. It, it, I don't know that it would have hit Jordan. It was it looked like a little bit of an off-target throw, but it looked it like he's throwing to nobody because right. he's expecting because Jordan, Jordan on. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to show you another. Yeah, so this they're running all verts on this play. Now, here is Sam's view. Look, Sam right here has got the ball. He's right here. That corner is way inside of Jordan Faison. Sam's got to see that and throw it up the seam, which he does. Jordan's the one that sees that guy there and decides to bend it inside, which is not where he should have what, what he should have done. So on this particular play, Jordan, I believe, made a mistake, and Sam needs to get the ball up the seam. He did. However, the hmm. ball should not have gone there. As Sam's getting ready to throw, Tobias Merriweather has now eaten up the cushion of the corner. And if you watch it live, the guy barely touched him. He made yeah. an inside stab move. The guy tries to jam inside, and Tobias smokes him outside. Well, There's I mean, look at expression. the look at the body language right here in this right. still clip, right? Look at the hips of the right. corner. He's still his hips are still pointed at the sideline right. where Tobias is running in a straight line. Right. right? There's, There's an no expression way. here, Vince. If he's even, you're leaving. That's, That's right. the expression you give your court. If it's even, yeah. you're leaving. If he's yep. even right there, that ball's go, gone and you let Tobias run underneath it. It's probably a touchdown if it's an accurate yes. throw. If not, you're inside the five. Right. But it's probably a touchdown. And and I don't think I have a clip. I should have put a clip. But when you see it about a second later, Tobias is like two and a half to three yards oh in gosh, front of the guy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and just smokes the guy. So it should have gone outside. If it does, it's a touchdown. However, the biggest mistake here was was by Jordan Faison. Sure. So these are just the kind of missed opportunities. So then, you know, it, it's you know, you're at the 33 yard line right now, or no, you're at the 29 yard line. You're kicking a what 46, 47 yard field well, they're goal. At the, they're at the 33. So no, that's where the first down marker is. The ball, it's third and six. Oh, so if you look at the official up there, he's at the oh, 29. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he's at the 29. Yeah. Yep. So yep. you're snapping it. It's a 46, 47 yard field goal. It, makeable, yeah. but still, I don't want to leave it into my my place kicker's hands. You had an opportunity to and he you had two guys with an opportunity to make this play. Yeah. Quarterback didn't read it right, and then the guy he wanted to throw to misadjusted his route. So that's why and I say he, sometimes you see a guy just throw it in the middle of nowhere. You're like, what the hell is the quarterback doing? You're like, ah, it's probably one on the quarterback, right? Right. And that, that can happen sometimes with miscommunication with young players. Because, again, sure. Rico, the true guy freshman. that made the mistake against Pitt, true freshman, you're going to make that yeah. mistake, and you teach him up, you move on, you don't bench sure. him. You know, like my issue has never been they should bench Rico because of his mistake. No, it's like how about you coach all the guys up and show them the same grace that you show Rico? You know what I mean? And and Rico rewarded him for it Saturday until the fumble, but you know, it is what it is. He was trying to make a play, whatever. So anyway, this is Jordan well, Faison. Yeah. He's a freshman. You Absolutely. these mis- I can live with these mistakes. Now you coach him up and you correct it and you move on from it. Can live with it. That's part of somebody just said it's some of the growing pains. Absolutely correct. 
So I'm not beating Jordan Faison up. This is just what you take. Hey, look, Jordan, here's what you're doing. You see yeah. the leverage. And he'll you learn. take that sucker vertical because here's the thing. If you bend it inside, you don't know what's ha- happening everywhere. Maybe that safety just keeps going out to Tobias, right? Just stay on his outside shoulder. So that way, if we do throw the outside go route, he can't run through you to get to the right. outside go route to Tobias, right? So he's inside that much. You stem okay. him up. Now, what I would like to see him do, Vince, is lean on him a little bit, then get vertical just to try to create a little bit of separation there. Here, here's, and, But here's the thing for me at the end of the day. And you're absolutely right with everything you said about Jordan Faison. He probably doesn't make that mistake again, to be perfectly honest. Probably not. I, probably I, I think not. he's a pretty quick study and all that. But the the hitch for me is that the 60-year quarterback didn't throw it to who was open. And he could have minimized the sure. mistake by the freshman if he sure. puts it to the right spot. Correct. So, Correct. If, and again, hindsight 2020, all that fun stuff. But at the same time, if he makes the right read, we're not we're not even probably have it. This is a film breakdown. This isn't hindsight in wide twenty minutes because I was sitting there to you and I, I know what oh, you're yeah, saying. We talk like about it. The point, yeah. I said as soon as the ball was snapped, I was like, "Oh, he's Tobias is going to score." Like right. you remember that? Like I was like, "Oh, he's going to score," yeah. and you know, oh, didn't get for it to sure. Him. Like the, if 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 he throws it to Tobias, number one, it's a touchdown in my opinion. Yeah. Number two, this is teaching film in the wide receiver room on yeah. Sunday not we're probably not breaking it down you know what i mean because it's a touchdown and we're talking about what a great read it was and what a great route it was by tobias because you're even you're leaving right and and you can see sam's body language here too that he's clearly looking down the middle of field for anyone thinking he was trying to throw that to tobias that is not there was no concept of that going to tobias merriweather on that particular play and when you see the all 22 it's his head's kind of covered up by the goalpost, but you can still see there he's looking right down yeah. At Jordan Faison. And assu- and you said this too, like Sam was pissed at somebody. Yes. And and you can go look at oh. it. He's clearly pissed at Jordan for he's for, pissed at Jordan right. for and he right. kind of made a uh he, he kind of made a, a motion with his like hands. This. Right. Yeah, like right, like you need to be cutting that up. Right. And so it's a t- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 So so that's uh that's kind of what we saw there, Vince, from that one. But yeah. um, there weren't all. I mean, again, Sam played good football. Was it his best game? No, it was not no. his best game. Not, I don't. I don't think it was even really close to his best game. I think he's definitely had better games than that. But he was, he was pretty good. I thought he was very good. I thought he was better against Navy. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was better against uh, against Central Michigan. He, you know, NC I thought State. he was uh, NC State. Yeah, he was pretty darn good against NC State. You know, once they once they figured out ways to, to handle the pressure, I thought he was pretty yeah. good against NC State. Uh, you know, he he played well, but there were definitely games he 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 played better than than that one, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it was still a good day of work. Sure, and it was his fifth sure. best day in regard to quarterback efficiency rating. It was his one, two, three, sixth best day from a yards per attempt standpoint, and it was his. Third best day from a completion percentage standpoint, and it was his his fourth best day from a yard standpoint. So there's no statistical measure, you know, other than he tied his best day touchdown wise with Navy yeah. and NC State. There's no measure by by which I could I think you can make a case that um, this was his best day. Yeah. It was probably his most memorable because he's doing it against his former. Oh team, yeah, it wasn't his best day for sure. For sure, yeah. he'll remember this one forever. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, somebody, some co- couple questions about this particular play, Vince, that I want to answer because they're very good questions, and I like the thought yeah. process. Somebody had mentioned 
up here it was let me find it gary l so he felt like jordan brought it inside so the nickel couldn't get over to tobias and i understand all that but what i would say is him bending it inside increases the odds that that guy goes over top of him to tobias number one but number two i've had young receivers say that hey i did this because i thought like but you can't because the quarterback doesn't know that that's what you're thinking because that's not part of your your route progression you're taught to run the route this way. If he does this, you bend. If he does this, you go vertical, right? right. So you've got to stay within the rules because running so – it's a good thought by Gary. It is a good thought. But it's if you run through his outside shoulder, he can't get through you over to Tobias. Exactly. Right? And and so that's just – that's the reality of it. Uh, that's number one. And then you had a question from Enigma. Says that, do you think Jordan didn't want to run into Tobias on the route, so he bent it inside? No. The the I, Again, good thought. I, I like – the thought process. However, this is why I say that Jordan needs to to do a better job of attacking the leverage of the of the safety. So if Jordan squeezes that guy inside more, because see, here's where the guy is now. If Jordan would have, let me pull it up. I keep exactly forgetting to do that. For yeah. There you go. Uh, let's just say so. Like you can see where the guy is now, and you can see where he is at the snap. So Jordan is on the same vertical track the whole time. Right. He didn't bend it in at right? all. Not at all. On his mm-hmm. now, if jo- what Jordan should have done, the way I taught it, Vince, and I don't know how you taught it, but my my teaching point for receivers was your attack is leverage inside. That means inside, outside, head up, and your aiming points is outside shoulder. Mm-hmm. Right. So on this particular play, his outside shoulder is inside of you. So what it would have looked like is a quick in and vertical to get even with him. And then what that would have done is that would have forced this this guy to declare, hey, I am going deep to help out outside or I'm squeezing on you. If right. he goes outside, now your bend is more effective and Sam can see the bend. But Sam's not going to see the bend or think the bend is an option when that guy's two and a half yards inside of you leverage-wise. Right. Right? You need to so squeeze my, right. that down. So my teaching yeah. point to Jordan would have been get up, get up on his leverage immediately. So your inside shoulder should be on his outside shoulder. Yep. Now, what what likely happens since this is man, but he's trying to he's it's man, but he's trying to force Jordan outside. He wants Jordan to go outside, which is okay because I think Jordan can beat him outside. But what I would say to Jordan is if is is two things. Number one is you now need to win, and you just releasing vertically with him two and a half yards inside of you makes it harder to win. If you want to bend it inside. You can't do it when that guy's two and a half yards inside of you. There's there's just no reason this is the way to do it. So get up and in on him. So it would look like this. Boom, boom, get vertical. Now you have a two-way go, yep. right, depending on how he covers you. And there's a good chance if he's trying to protect the inside that he squeezes down even harder. As you squeeze down on him, he's probably going to drift a little bit more. Now yep. you've got more room to work when yep. you break it out up the seam. Now you have more room to work and – you've now made sure that you're not going to get out to Tobias. So there is a way for Jordan. If Jordan's concern is I need, I'm covered. I got to make sure this guy doesn't get over to Tobias. That's fine, but there's a right and a wrong way to do that. And even in that case, Jordan didn't do it right. But as you said, Vince, he's now seen it. Yeah. You're going to coach him up on it. And next time Jordan doesn't make that mistake. Right. Because we haven't seen him make a lot of mistakes twice. And then he came back later because I thought Jordan got off to a rough start. He didn't make a hard play for that ball in the end zone on the next drive, I believe. Or no, actually, it was the play right before this was the wide fade where Sam underthrew him. Mm. Um, but Jordan's got to make a better play for the football on that. He just yeah. kept drifting. But he came back and bounced back and, and made a couple nice plays. And, and again, his hustle off the line 
on that post route we just talked about, like I should have, I should have found that play to show how deep Jordan Faison got when that ball got loose. Cause he is about 10, 20, over 30 yards down the field when that ball gets let loose and that clears out that zone. So he, he bounced back. He had a nice RPO catch where he caught it at five yards, made it just quickly got outside, ran through a guy and yep. got 11 on it. Yep. Remember that? Got a first so down, Jordan, yeah. Jordan bounced back and played well, but these are just some of those young guy mistakes yeah. that you live with and you coach them up and, and get it fixed. But those are the things. But at this, at the end of the day, Vince, as you said, if the quarterback would have made the correct read, boundary was the correct read, but that ball's got to go. With that leverage, Sam's yeah. got to say, that's not the throw. That seems not the throw. I got a one-on-one outside. I'm going to number Take five. it. Take yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like stealing. Because also it's easier to come back because if that cornerback jams up Tobias at the line, then that's going to make it easier you to come back inside of that scene. Right. It should have been an outside in read, not an inside out read, in my opinion, on that particular play. So uh, that's where that ball should have gone. And if it does, to your point, Vince, if it's an accurate throw, I think it's a touchdown because Tobias flat out outran that guy. Oh flat God. out outran that guy. <laughs> yes, he on did. That play. Yeah. Um, I'll just Everybody say to go this. back and watch that. Vince, you've noticed this. You get you, you when you watch the all 22. That happens a lot from Tobias the last four or five games. Yeah. Even going back to the Louisville game, he was terrible against Duke. And he has not got the ball a ton since then. But if you go back and watch Duke game, USC game, uh, Pitt game, Clemson game, there's at least three or four snaps a game where number five torches a guy and the ball just doesn't come his way. Yeah. But it I'm, should. I'm hoping that this is kind of a turnaround for that. Because I think yeah. I do think Tobias has been working his butt off. Yeah. Because he has been blocking really, really well. When and I, I think I think I've his, talked to some sources that there are some on the coaching staff that recognize well, what he's doing in practice yeah. and how much he's getting open. Now here's the thing that bothers me when it comes to this position coach. Do you remember seeing much of Tobias Merriweather after the touchdown? No. Nope. No. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, but agreed. he was in on that touchdown pass to Jaden Greathouse. By the way, you actually had two guys open on it because you could have come back to Tobias on that, but that was not the read. He made the proper read. Made the right read. But there's sure. a lot of plays, Vince, and that's something I wanted to finish with. There was a lot of plays in this game where I felt like they had two to three guys open. Right. Where Sam had multiple options. Right. That's when you know your receiving core is having a good day, and your pla- and your pat and your game plans and stuff are are, are where they need to be. When Agreed. you got like multiple guys open, like on the touchdown pass, Eli Raritan, if Sam realizes that those two guys have their backs turned, Rico Flores is coming across. If he throws it to Rico, that's a touchdown too. Right. I, I mean, he made the right read, but yes. let's say he just felt like, I don't know if I can get enough on this corner route. All right, just boom. Touchdown. Right. And and those are things that you 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 like to see. So I was a big fan of uh Big fan of of the pass game and how the receivers played. And it was, you know, you could like that touchdown pass to Great House, this right here, this play right here. Guys, that is a play designed to to get the ball to Jaden Greathouse. The play action and the route concept. Now, if the both safeties come down, you have no problem hitting the post route. And it's a high low read. But as a coach, you're calling that play thinking we're going to Great House even though he's the number technically the second part of the of the initial read because there's one read but that one read is going to be one of two guys this guy goes here i come here if this guy goes here i come there right 
but you're putting phase on backside and you're putting Jaden Greathouse in the slot. Why? Because we want to get 19 to football. Mm-hmm. That's why. And he and he was in the slot, which yep. is that's what where I'm saying. He gets the ball, right? Yeah. Wait, that's what I'm saying. I mean, two really good things, in my opinion, came out of this game, Brian. And and Enrico Flores had a great game. And you're not taking anything away from that. It's a 100-yard game, first time since the bowl game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, the two biggest things from the past game to come out of this game were Jaden Greathouse and Tobias Merriweather getting catches and making plays. Because the two of them have been like ghosts in the past game for the last yeah. X amount of weeks, you know, and and – for those two guys to get not only just get some catches and get some touches, but get touchdowns as yeah. well. It's like, okay, you got those two guys, you got Rico doing his thing. You had Jordan Faison making play. Like you had guys making plays in this game. And so that's one of the biggest things for me moving into next week into the Stanford game is that not only do I want to see the inventive game plan that we saw against Wake Forest. So I think the game plan was really good, whether you're talking play action, you're talking run game, you're talking balance, all of those different things. I really liked the, the game plan coming in, but I also like the fact that the wide receivers were making plays. They were open because of the game plan, because of the way they played, but then the ball was starting to get spread around again, and those guys are all starting to make plays. So let's see that, you know, move into next week. Let's see that two weeks in a row. And then, you know, into bowl prep and the bowl game and all of those different things. So, and, and as Gary L says, and Eli at hundred percent, right. you know, you're seeing guys start making plays and you, I'm hoping, yeah. and I know that it's game 11 going into game 12, but I'm hoping now Sam Hartman is, is seeing that there's guys yeah. that are going to make plays for so, him. So, which means finishing strong. That's yes. the key. I don't know. Yes. Look, cause I was talking with somebody tonight and we were both lamenting about the missed opportunity of this season. What could have and, been? And nothing ha- is going to happen down that's just going to make me not feel that way. Agreed. But the comment I made to him, I said, you know, the reason it's so important for them to finish strong is because I don't think the percent, because he and I both thought this team has a chance, had a chance to compete for a title this year. Sure. You know, but the, the thing was perception wise with recruits and things like that, which is, you know, an important piece. I don't think that recruits saw Notre Dame as a title contender this year. Sure. So if Notre Dame finishes strong, you blow out USC, you're kicking the mess out of teams. Every recruit that was at Notre Dame Stadium when they played Ohio State came away thinking Notre Dame should have won that football game. Sure. Every single one of them, right? And and I know that because they all tell us that, and they tell <laughs> Notre Dame that, right? right? So they look at it and they say, hey, listen, um, that's a bummer, but win out dominate Stanford, dominate uh, Wake Forest, win your bowl game and look good doing it. And yeah, we're disappointed, but there is good momentum, but you're sending a statement to college football or to recruits that, hey, this year we were still, we weren't what we'd hoped to be. We didn't live up to the Notre Dame standard of a championship, but we took steps. We're a better mm-hmm. football team. And man, look how our offense played down the stretch. So it is important that- it is. That Agreed. that Sam Hartman does feel the way you talk about Vince, yeah. And start like if Sam goes out the next couple games and throws for three bills in these next two games, you're like, okay, man, like it, it didn't pan out how you hoped, but he's still over three thousand yards, and 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 Notre Dame will score a mess of points, and 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 right now, you know, Notre Dame's got a chance if you know, especially with playing Stanford this weekend with how bad they are, that they can set a all time scoring record. Seriously, 
Notre Dame has a pretty good chance of setting the all-time scoring record for their football program. And I'm not talking about like the total points record that they set in, in uh, 2019. That is also has a chance to be broken. Because right now, if you look at Notre Dame right now, Vince, they are 65 points away from tying the all-time points in a season record. That is 478 set in 2019. Now, that's total points because, remember, Newt right. Rockney coached say, seven games, nine games, ten games, right. right? So a little different deal. So I'm not just talking about that record, which I'll be shocked if they don't break because if they don't get at least three-quarters of that against Stanford, I'm going to be disappointed, right? <laughs> right. Stanford's defense is trash. I agree. And then, you, you know, you, you hit 24 to 27 in the bowl game. So this – this offense that we're all disappointed by is still about to break the all-time Notre Dame record, right? But here's the thing, Vince. It's not just about the all, the points in a season. This team has a chance to break the all-time scoring record in regard to points per Perfect. game as well, which is 37.6. And that was set – I'm trying to find the year. That was set in 1968, 37.6. Wow. The current offense right now – is scoring 37.5 points per game. Now, if they don't get more than that against Stanford, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, yeah. Right? So, again, does that mean that I'm thrilled about how the offense did? No, I'm not. Because you're gauged Notre Dame by what you did against the worst teams in your schedule. But we also can't discount the fact that, guys, they took a big step in that regard. Now it's in these three games, do it against these three teams as well. Sure. Not scoring 40 but being aggressive and mixing up and those type of things. And that's what I'm hoping that we'll see. And a big key to that is what you just said, Vince, when Sam Hartman and and Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey and Gino Gadouli all start showing more confidence in the young pass catchers. Yeah. They're going to start playing with more confidence. And what we saw on Saturday, it's going to look a lot more like what we see on a regular basis because they're not going to play an Ohio state or a Louisville or most likely even a Clemson defensively in the bowl. Now they may right. play a team that's maybe better than Clemson, but they're not going to play a defense in my opinion, better than Clemson in a bowl game. So it's, it, it really is about finishing, finishing on a strong note, which I, they should. Agreed. Think about and that. That's... Notre Dame could set the all time scoring record in points and points per game. And people are going to be calling for the offensive coordinator to be fired. I mean, yeah, Right. Again, right. we can we can be frustrated with it not being good enough in a few games, and that's a hundred percent true, without jumping off a cliff and overreacting right. to say exactly. hundred percent. So, good good luck hiring an, a, a legitimate offensive coordinator when you just fired the guy that you know the helped you set record. an all time scoring record. If that's right. what happens, right, right, right. Now they could go lay an egg against Stanford, and we're having a different conversation, right? <laughs> I mean, now <laughs> that's to say, just let let the season play out, and then we'll see we'll see where things go. So that's where I'm at. All right. Well, that's going to do it, right? I think we're there. Let's briefly talk about the defense. Oh, yeah. We don't need the whole segment on the defense. but Because honestly, Vince, you kind of said it. We kind of – what we talked about in the show on Saturday is kind of where we are. Yeah. You actually – I did want to say this. You actually felt that the linebacker play overall was better at most spots than what you thought live. I did. I I thought – Live, I was like, oh, man, linebackers aren't doing a great job. They're not filling the way they should. But then watching it back, I actually thought that that uh, JD and Jack played better than I had thought watching it live. Uh, Maris did not 
play well uh, to me. And so I would say two thirds of the linebacking core played better than I thought that they did. Uh, I'm not saying it was one of JD's best games by any stretch, but I thought that he made, he made some good. There was one play actually that was, that epitomizes the entire game for me when it comes to JD versus Marist. JD was playing on the right-hand side of the defense. Marist is playing on the left. It's a run to the defense's left. Marist just kind of stands there. JD just takes off in front of Marist and goes and makes the play. And then Marist kind of hops on the pile after the fact. And it's just like, yep, that that was about right for this game. Um, and so, you know, there, there were times where, where JD kind of ran into some blocks that I didn't like. But overall, I thought he played better than I, than I had watched live. Uh, and so I was happy to see that. Um, and then Jordan Batello played as bad as I thought that he did. I mean, that, that one was, was spot on for me. That was, that was, that was tough. No, you don't need to do that. Cause I'm, I'm mute myself. Oh, because okay. I'm, I'm always trying to talk over you. Okay. And so when I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're talking, it helps me. Like I, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm muted. It looks so. like you were trying to say something. So I, I was, but not. that's I mute myself. So yeah. it forces <laughs> me to let you finish talking I before you. I jump in. Cause again, you know, part you. of it is, is knowing who you are. Right. Not hundred percent um, self-scouting. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> it just, I don't know what it is, man. Cause he was actually decent at that. He was pretty good yeah. at setting the edge early in the year. I don't know what's going on with that kid, but he is, he's just, he's a liability out there, Vince. He really is. I mean, he, he, he really, the last few games he's, he's been in, the, he's been a liability in my it's, opinion. And it's, it's, I thought that that junior played okay when he got in um, a l- little bit of indecisiveness at times for him. But I thought he did a decent job of setting the edge. Uh, but and almost a couple of the times that he did set the edge, it was almost because he hesitated a little bit uh, mm-hmm. on making some plays. There was one where he was a little bit too flat, uh, where you know you can't really do that. You still have to come up feel a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and they were, they were able to get outside of him. Right. But 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 Batello just goes up so high all the time. He's just 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 flying through it. Um, and so, you know, junior is junior, like he's still learning the position. And so I don't expect him to be perfect. Uh, but his hesitation allowed him to at least play the edge better than Batelho did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I thought that, and we said this in the, in the, in the show on Saturday, man, when the young guys were in that, that lat, those last couple of series, they're fast, man. They're fast. They're athletic. They're long. No. They're, it's, it's fun to watch them. They're not always in the right spot. Uh, but man, do they fly around? They just, they fly around. And so when they get more of an opportunity to be the guys, I think this defense is going to be so much yeah. fun to watch. Yep. So much fun to watch. Well, you know, um, I was, I, you just watch him, Vince, and it's just like, all it's all of them. It's Brendan Vernon. It's Pubacar. Yeah, yeah. It's Devin Houston. It's Drake Bowen. It's, it's a Don Schuler. I mean, it's Don all Schuler of them. Coming like, down from the safety position. Yeah. Like, man, these cats just move different. Yeah. You know, like they absolutely. just move different. And yeah. and so you start getting excited. Like they're going to be a young team next year in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm fingers crossed that Mills and Cross come back because that could be the anchor. That would take so much pressure off whoever starts at linebacker next year, whether it's sure. Ziegler, Sneed, Bowen, uh, Osbury, Zinter, um, you know, Kingston, whoever, you know, right, right. Uh, the safeties, like if those two guys come back up the middle with with Rubio and Onye and Donovan Heinish will be a junior next year. And Donovan was, you know, when Donovan got in troubles, when he kind of had to go up against a guy that had to outweigh him by 30, 40 pounds. Sure. But he also had a lot of wins 
right? So you're looking at it, and then, you know, you're going to Armel Mukum's going to be a year older. You saw what Devin Houston did, and now he's going to be healthy because he's now a year removed from the injury that he had. And you're like, man, this team, this defense is going to be young next year. But, man, they're going to be big well, and long and athletic. And, and the secondary, I mean, if, if Xavier Watts comes back, yeah, you know, you, you've got Morrison on one side. You've got Gray on the other. You might have Mickey at corner. I'm I mean, really hoping, really hoping I mean, they move him to nickel. Really then, hoping. Xavier at safety, and frankly, I don't care who you put at the other safety; they're going to be just fine. So, there's there's so much to like the athleticism, but it it just some of the some of the veterans on Saturday just like I know what you're saying about JD, and 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 I agree with you. He made a lot more plays than than maybe you thought. I mean, I do remember him making the the sack on the 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 blitz that forced the fumble on the first play of the second half. Right? Yep. Yep. My was he just allowed himself to be blocked way too much. That was my biggest beef. And I thought Jack Kaiser just kind of overran holes. You know what I mean? I just thought his run fits weren't good. Um, the safety run fits weren't good all game long. I mean, That's really true. most of them. I thought that was a, a bit of an issue. But overall, the defense was good. And Wake had to earn, you know, outside of one. I mean, it really, that one drive kind of soured things a little bit for me. Just because there were so many opportunities to stop that drive from from going. And they didn't make a stop. That was trick plays in a penalty yeah. and it just yeah. but after that, that they had one drive that got him in the scoring zone and that was it and yeah. you know but wake stinks too and i think that's part of it is i was you know it's funny even though they scored the seven that i thought that they would score you still <laughs> kind of were hoping that they'd pitch a shutout sure. you know but because they have the last two senior days but overall the defense was was good it was good it was good i thought the interior guys were better than i thought live I thought the run fits off of them were the problem more so than them. There's a couple times they got driven out too far outside, but overall I thought the interior players were better uh, than, than I thought watching live. I thought the edge players, Nana and Javante Jean-Baptiste were both really good. I thought in this game, they were both really good. Agreed. Um, I just, I love how Nana, if he doesn't come back, I just love how that kid is, has, grown into a leader without being a starter. I mean, that's yeah. when you can become a team leader and you're not a starter and, you, and you're not starting over a guy who just came in the program, but you remain a leader, that speaks so much to, to the type of young man that Nana is. Forget football for a second, the character that he has. Sure. But I had a chance to talk to his parents a couple times, and you're not at all shocked when you meet his mom and dad. You're not at all shocked that Nana is who he is at all. You know what I mean? But still, the kid's got to go to college and still become the man and, and take sure. on the lessons that you let, taught him. And Nana did that. I mean, yeah. again, when you can get a grad, when you get a transfer to come in, beat you out, although Nana still plays, and you remain a team leader and an emotional, you know, I mean, that just speaks volumes about your character. And I thought both of those kids were really good mm-hmm. on Saturday. I just thought the Viper position just – um it's just not where I thought it was going to be yeah. this year. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I will. I never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I wish uh, Javante Jean Baptiste had another year. I, I really do. Yeah, I, I understand because there's you're not sure who that guy is, but I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about like, dude, they may move Burnham over there next year. You've got Brennan Vernon, Bubakar maybe moving over there next year. I'm kind of excited to see what those young guys are going to do. Oh, sure. And that's part of what college football is all about. But to your point, yeah, Javante's been really good. You're like, man, or or I wish Javante would have transferred like two, three years ago. Yeah, right. Because then Riley might have moved inside sooner. 
Sure. And, you know, sure. who, who knows what it just I didn't anticipate him being the impact player that he was this year. I, I when he came over, I was like, oh, nice step piece for the line, right. the rotation, yeah. you know, that kind of a thing. But he he outplayed my expectations. Yeah. I was excited about that. I mean, literally what he did this year was the best case scenario. Oh, yeah. Him. And you rarely yeah, yeah, get yeah. the best case scenario for kids. Yeah, absolutely. 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It, it was very, very nice. Uh, but yeah, defensively overall, Vince. I mean, you, you held him to 100 yards pa- under 100. Yeah, yards seven points and and under 100 yards passing. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, and and 17 <laughs> of those passing yards were from a receiver. Yeah, their quarterback had 11 completions for 81 yards. I'm still you know, mad like, that Harper let that guy go though because he was covering him, and then he just let him, he just let him get behind him. Yeah. And so that, that he was that kind of in no man's land. He's like, okay, yeah. do I come up and play the play yeah. the reverse or do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I know, yeah. I just. I was just like, oh, if he just stays yeah. with him. It's he wasn't yeah. faked out, you know what I mean? Right. Like just just stay with him. He just him. was kind of caught in that no man's land yeah. of what do I do? Yeah. Do I keep running with this guy or do I and let that guy yeah. run? Or do I come up and play this guy and hope, you know? Yeah. But uh I yeah. and I think he thought maybe Xavier was a little bit closer yeah. than maybe he was. Yeah. The other thing too, know. Vince, I didn't I thought the timing early of the blitzes were that's why I kept saying, and it's like it really felt like a last year game with the linebackers. Yes. I thought the timing of the blitzes was not where it needed to be and and um just wasn't hitting home but as they got deeper into the game they were a little bit more effective with that i thought yeah yeah so no, i agree because that's one of the things that they've done a lot better this year is the timing of those blitzes yeah. and the delayed blitzes and 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 things of that nature and and uh yeah early on they were tipping their hand a little bit yeah. too much for my liking yep yep so vince i now that'll do it we did have one super chat nope all right that uh wanted to address here before we get going because it David was Hess. regarding to the uh, game yeah. this weekend. David Hess, uh, thanks for the super chat. What's up, guys? How do we get the Pac-12 network for this game? What streaming service has it? So uh, Vince and I will be watching it on Fubo. I had to go add the one of the – there's really? one of the packages. It's like an extra – actually, I can go look and see what it is. But it's an extra, I think, $6.99 a month Okay. to add Fubo, to add that sports package to it. I'm actually going to go look. It, it wasn't. It wasn't much. It wasn't like crazy, but that's what I had to do. And then I'll cancel it after the month. Is basically what I'll do. So uh, that's that's what I would encourage you to do. Uh, is is to do that. I'm actually going to go to my add-on. So I had to add the. Let's see here. It's the. Nope, that ain't it. That ain't it. Where is that package? It's the Fubo Extra Sports Package. It's $7.99 for the month. You get 56 extra channels. You get MLB Network. Um, you, you get um, Cooking Channel, NBA, NHL Network, NBA TV, stuff like that. You get American History Channel, which I'm, you know, I'm going to be taking full advantage of that for the next month. You know me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then you also get like ESPNU and the Pac-12 Network. So there's okay. there's some other things on there. If you all don't have Fubo, it's solid. It's a solid network. It, it's there's some things I like about it, some things I don't love about it. It's a little bit pricier than uh, than YouTube TV, but you're also, I mean, there's some there's some channels on there that they have that I don't have on YouTube TV, which is why I got it. As I mentioned, you know, my wife likes the Great American Channel as opposed to Hallmark. She prefers that over Hallmark. They don't have that Great American Channel on YouTube TV, so that was the main okay. reason we got Fubo. Gotcha. Uh, you know, and you have a you can pay for a thousand like it's a, it's not much. Trying to think what it is, but you you can pay to have up to a thousand hours of of uh, recorded recorded shows, 
it's an extra one cent a month to to have the thousand hours of recording. One cent is that what you said? Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. One cent an extra an extra one cent a month to have a thousand hours to boost your cloud to a thousand hours. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so, why, why why even charge the penny? It's crazy. Right. Exactly. But hey, whatever. It's fine. Yep. So yeah, that's um that's kind of what's at. So I'll have that for a month and I'll get rid of it after the Notre Dame game. So, nice. And but yeah, that's course, what I'd encourage people to do. What we're doing for the note for that game is we are going to do a live watch. And uh Brian and I, I don't know if anybody else is gonna join us, but you and I yeah. are gonna be there and we're yes. gonna watch and it'll game. be a little different than last year, just to help okay. you all. And Vince and I'll work out the particulars. Like last year, we just kind of talked. We're <laughs> gonna do it a little bit more play by play-ish. Than we have, so we'll try to you know let you guys know you know what play it is and where we are because some people, I've had some I'm people honest, say maybe. that they're just not going to watch the game at all and they're just going to listen to us talk about the game. Cool and break the game down. Good. So we'll we'll do, do it a little bit like play that. skills. I love yeah. it. We'll do it a little bit, and it won't be like a pure play by play, but it'll just right. be kind of like, okay, guys, here's where we're at and here's what we're seeing and sure, and then react to what we see. It's gonna be fun. So I can't wait. Yep. I, I I'm enjoy, I enjoy that stuff. So. And then we'll have a uh, a shorter post game afterwards, but we'll still have yeah. a post game show. And because we'll break down a lot of it during the game, but we'll yeah, just kind of give exactly. our overall thoughts. We don't want it to be repetitive, and, right. you know, that kind of a thing. Because yeah. generally, the post game show is like our thoughts on the game, and we're going right. to be giving you those during the game. So, right? You know, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, I'm me too, man. To it. Yeah, me too. And I'm curious to see what the attendance is going to be like, and sure, you know, do people give super chats? Like all those type of things always factor into does it make sense to do this in the future, kind of thing. So, um. We're gonna we're gonna do it with more of a, a line in line of looking at it from the standpoint of okay, not just us hanging out talking, but but trying to do a little bit more with it. So I'm looking forward to doing right. that. Yep. So it'll be a live show that way. Again, won't be play by play. It's not gonna be that. It's just gonna be a little bit more right, you know, just a little bit different than what we did in the past. So yep. it's gonna be fun. So make sure you guys check us out. We'll go on about a half hour or so before the game starts, kind of set things up and then just dive right in once the game kicks off. So should be a lot of fun. Should be a lot of fun. So, but we've also got a loaded week. Well, not as loaded because we got the holiday, but it's still a loaded week. There's still going to be shows put up every day and um, you know, pregame show is going to be put up Friday night into Saturday. So you can check that out as well with me, Sean and Jesse. And then of course the, uh, the live game and then the post game. So, Lots of fun stuff coming your way this week, so make sure you hang out at uh, Irish Breakdown, and of course, a lot of good content over at irishbreakdown.com, and if you're not a member of the boards, boards.irishbreakdown.com, make sure you jump in and uh, and join the party, because there's always good stuff, and I will also say, Brian did a great uh, breakdown of the run game, and has some actual film on there, and some fun stuff, but that's board-only material yeah. folks. and i'll have the past breakdown coming up too and i'm eventually going to get caught up with all the games that i've missed but uh yeah feeling better got over some health issues so definitely feeling a lot better it's like the flu i had last week was kind of like rock bottom for me so now <laughs> i'm feeling a lot better and it's stepping yeah, in it's been good love it's it good i love that yeah. so so everybody hey make sure you stay locked in with irish breakdown uh hit the subscribe button the notification bell give us a five-star review tell your friends and family all that good stuff and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with, with more great content. So make sure you check things out, guys. So for Brian, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>